Welcome to Family Church Podcast. From wherever you're listening, we thank you for joining us. If you missed our family gathering this week, we miss you, and we hope that you enjoy this week's message. If you have your Bibles, if you would, turn to Joshua 24. Joshua 24 um, is where we are going to spend some time out. And today I want to talk about decisions, choices. Um, because as you step back from life, isn't that what life is? It's, it's full of decisions and then living with the consequences. So the next choice and then living with the consequences of the choice. And this morning, I think that it's as we land the plane with killing idols, I think it's really important that we understand that amongst all of the decisions that we make in life, there's one that is most significant. And it's where we place the Lord. It's what we believe about the Lord. See, Joshua knew this. He, he, he knew that, that this decision is one that is of, of vital importance. And he, and he knew that that it wasn't a decision that he could make for the people. It was something that they had to decide. And after leading the Israelites to, to, to conquer the, 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 the people in the promised land and to take what God had promised them, he, he kind of gave this farewell speech. I, I, look at, I always look at this talk as like a locker room, uh, like end of the game, halftime moment where Joshua stands up in front of the leaders of the Israelites, and it's kind of this critical point, this critical moment in the, in the history of the Israelites. And he challenges them. He kind of puts the ball in their court, and he gives them multiple options in which they can choose from. But he says, whatever you do, you got to make a choice. There's got to be a decision that's made. And this is what he says in Joshua 24, 14 through 15. He says, therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if this doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The God that your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. See, there has to be a decision, a choice that is made. And this is hard for Joshua, okay? Joshua was a military general. He, he wasn't a person that was used to saying, what do you guys want to do, right? What, what, what would you guys choose? What do you want to eat tonight? Joshua was used to going, this is what you're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And this is the way that we're going to do it. And so this was, this was totally out of his comfort zone in many ways as he's challenging them to make a choice, but he knew that if he forced them, if he made them worship God, then it would never be authentic. It would never be real. It would always be contingent on what he made them do. He would never, they would never really love God the way that they would if they made the decision. So he put it in their court. And he said, you must decide. You must make a choice. And he gave them options, right? And, and he says, are you going to worship the God of your ancestors? See, see, long before uh, God spoke to Abraham and told him about his future plan, that he had that the, the ancestors, his ancestors were worshiping, and they were worshiping created deities. Some were astral deities, some were, 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 were deities that they had made and had these corresponding demons. Even Abraham's father was an idol worshiper. And if we were to put you next to some of your ancestors, we would probably see some similarities, right? It's the way that your jawline is or your nose or you just would be able to tell you belong to them, right? That's where you, that's, that's your family. And one of the things that Joshua understood was that we inherit God sometimes. 
And what I mean by that is if your dad worshiped work, you very well may worship work. If your mother worshiped physical appearance and outward appearance, then guess what? You very well may worship that thing also. Maybe it was sex or money or, 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 or entertainment or a sports team or, or their children. Maybe that's what they worshiped, and therefore, you're just carrying on the family history. You're just repeating the pattern of your family, and you're worshiping the same God and idols that they chose to worship. So often, our greatest idols are ones that are handed down to us, ones that we've grown up witnessing our parents worship. So Joshua challenged the people and he said, are you going to worship the gods of your ancestors? Are you going to worship the gods of your past as he referenced the gods that they worshiped in Egypt? See, when they left Egypt, they didn't leave Egypt behind. Many of the Israelites in the middle of the wilderness are offering sacrifices to the the plethora of gods that that existed, that, that the Egyptians worshiped. And, and, and they would offer these sacrifices in the wilderness because God had taken them out of Egypt, but he didn't, he, he didn't take Egypt out of them for some of them. Some of them were still stuck 400 years that they had been shaped by that culture and would begin to worship those gods. So Joshua challenged them. He says, are you going to worship the gods of your past? Many of you are changed people. You're not who you used to be. You're not who you once were. And God did a miracle work in your life by drawing you to salvation and and surrendering, you you surrendering your life to him and you are a new creation, the Bible says. But let's not walk into the room this morning and act like that the gods of our past, the things that we once worshiped, the things that once used to sit on the throne of our heart doesn't rear its ugly head every once in a while. Doesn't tempt us to want to come back into that, that place where we would seek the, the fulfillment and, uh, from, from the things of this world. And so each person, excuse me, Joshua challenged the people that, 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 that are you just going to continue to worship the gods of your past? You're going to worship those, those things that didn't fulfill you? Those, those gods that the Egyptians worshiped? Do you remember what I did to them? I, I proved all of them. I unarmed all of them and showed myself. As bigger and greater and more powerful. And then he said, are you going to worship the gods of culture? And he referenced that when he said the gods of the Amorites. See, history lesson was when the promised land was full of people. And, and battle by battle, God gave this land to the Israelites as a gift, as the promised land. But those people that existed in the promised land, they had temples and they had idols and they had gods that they would sacrifice and worship and what we find in scripture is as the Israelites would would take residence in the promised land instead of being separated from the rest of the people they just joined in they just begin to participate in what everybody else was doing and if there is a struggle for us in our context in the United States of America this is it we are really good at trying to be Worship the Lord, and on the other hand, worship the gods of culture. Worship the things of this world. And Joshua said, there's one other option where you can choose to worship the Lord. You can choose to worship the one true God, but it was their decision. You may notice something. Joshua never once said that they they didn't have to worship anything. He never once gave them an option to say, you know, here's a few things that you can do, or you can just hit the none box. 
because he knew how we were wired. He knew that every one of us were created for the purpose of worship. We were wired to worship something. And if it wasn't God, it would be something else. And so he was tuning in their hearts and, and trying to get them to understand that, that, that at the end of the day, they are going to choose to worship something. It's either going to be the gods of their past. It's going to be the gods of their ancestors. It's going to be the gods of culture. It's going to be the God of self. It's going to be the, the, or it's going to be the Lord, the creator of the world. It's going to be one of them. But they had a choice to make. They had a decision. But Joshua, for himself, had made up his mind, right? And it's this famous phrase from the book of Joshua that many folks, many believers have uh, as, as wall art in their home, right? As for me in my house, we will what? Serve the Lord, worship the Lord, depending on what translation of the Bible that you read. What Joshua was declaring was that the Lord alone is God, the one and only, that he would worship him because of that. You have no clue how your commitment to worship the Lord and faithfully follow him will influence others. And here's, here's what I want to say about that. I, one of the things that I love about getting to pastor family churches, there's many folks that have been like, you know, our kids are getting older. We decided to get back into church. And I, I praise that. I praise the, the Holy Spirit for, for, for drawing you into that and, and, and making you realize the importance of that. But the challenge with that, and for friends in the room that have been in ministry, is usually there's an 18-year commitment, and then it's back to the same old, same old. Like that folks will say, all right, while my kids are growing up, I'm going to be faithful to this. And then once they graduate and go out on their own, we're going to kind of pull back and begin to coast a little bit. And the, and the problem with it is this. Your kids aren't idiots. They know what's real and what isn't. They know what you really love and what you don't really love. They hear your conversations. They hear what you talk about. They see what you worship. And I believe that, that for Joshua, when he's making this statement, he's not committing in any ways to salvation for the rest of his family. What he is saying is this. I'm going to worship the Lord, and I'm going to make sure that the people around me, the ones that I love the most, the ones that are in my home, understand who I worship. They're going to know who I worship. They're going to know who I love. And he was making that commitment. He's saying, as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to praise. This is who we're going to make first. And then Joshua gives this challenge and the people respond in verses 16 through 18. This is what they said. He says, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us to our ancestors out of the land of Egypt out of the place of slavery and performed these great signs before our eyes. And he also protected us all the way. And we went among all the peoples whose lands we traveled through. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord because he is our God. You see the people's response to this like speech. And they begin to make what I would call a pros and cons list. Right, where you've sat down and done this before, where you're like, these are everything that are like good about this situation. This is everything bad about this situation. And for them, it wasn't a pros and cons. It was all pros. Right? They're like, man, they led us in the land and he led us in the land. He, he drove out our enemies. He, he gave us a, a vision and a roadmap and, and, and instructions for all of these things. What they're basically saying is we've witnessed the evidence of what God has done. And that he alone is worthy of our worship because he was their God. And so they agreed with Joshua, like, we are going to worship the Lord also. See, I, in, in youth ministry, this happens a lot. And, and 
if there's an event or an altar call or an opportunity to respond to the gospel, and typically there was these situations where, um, and no offense to the ladies in the room, I said this is the first service, like a group of girls would like all raise their hands and say like, we want to respond to the gospel. And it'd be like this emotional roller coaster. They're like swaying and like this whole thing, right? Uh, for, for the boys, it was a boy chasing a girl that was like, the girl's like, look, if you ain't a believer, I'm not in it, right? And, and so the boy would be like, I'm, I, hey, what, what I need to get it saved because I just want to go out with her, right? And, and, and I was always cautious in those moments because when, when they would respond to the gospel, I wanted to make sure that understand that, it, that salvation is an individual decision, that it's not a collective, like you're not, your friends aren't getting saved together, that, it's, that God draws to salvation and reveals that to us and that, that, that this is not a collective moment. That doesn't mean that God can't be doing the same thing in each person's life. But in order to know what we're doing here, we're going to separate y'all up real quick. And oftentimes they're like, no, we want to go together. We want to stay together. And we would, we would separate them with different counselors. And the goal was that this young lady's salvation wasn't contingent on her salvation. And her salvation wasn't contingent on her salvation. We wanted them to understand that the gospel is personal. It's for us. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had, a, I had a friend. Her name was Pam. She was dating a boy named Joel, and, and Joel was not a believer. And so she made a really hard decision. She was in love with Joel. She made a really hard decision to break up with him because he wasn't a Christian. And she just began to calculate and go, like, how are we going to build our lives together? How, we don't have the same understanding, beliefs, faith, how we raise our kids, all of those things. Honestly, she made a, as, a, as a 19, 20-year-old girl, she made a really, really mature decision. So she broke up. Well, Joel was in love with Pam also. So he was like, man, what do I need to do, right? Like, and so he ended up surrendering his life to the Lord. And so he came back and he's like, Pam, will you go back out with me? And she's like, no. And he's like, what? Like, like I've trusted in Jesus. And she said, I want to know it's not for me. I want to know that you've surrendered to Jesus Christ because that is who's going to be on the throne of your heart. And you're not getting saved so that we might end up getting married. Because if your faith is contingent on me, if it's built on me, then it will never stand. It will never be real. It will never be authentic. And for, for many of us, as we, we read this, like the next part of the, the speech, like you feel like Joshua's about to go, like, let's run out of the locker room and charge hell with a water pistol, right? Like, like let's, go get, let's go do this. But, what, but he, what he does is he, he actually does the opposite. And he's like, understand what you're committing to. Understand what, you, what you're, you're saying yes to. Understanding what, what commitment you are making. And this is what he says in verses 19 through 24. But Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord because he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. And he will not forgive your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you. And after he has been good to you, know the people, answered Joshua. We will worship the Lord. And Joshua then told the people, you are witnesses against yourself, that you yourselves have chosen to worship the Lord. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of the Israel. And so the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord, our God, and obey him. What Joshua tells them is he says, look, Jesus is not, God is not interested in being one of many. He wants to be your one and only. It's ultimately what he's saying. In a roundabout way, that is what he's communicating to them. He's saying, look, you, you, can, you, can, you can say these things with your mouth, but your heart needs to align with your words. That you may love me with your words, but you need to love me with your heart. And so he communicates to the people. He said, you, you got to understand something about God, that he's, he's holy, he's set apart, he's a jealous God. 
And he will not tolerate your adulterous heart. He will not tolerate you saying, you love me and you're going to worship me. And then you go and live and worship these other gods. And the problem with this is, and Joshua knew this, the Israelites had a history and a habit of doing this. Where they'd be like, yes, Lord, like we're all in, Lord. And all of a sudden be like, back to something else. Oh, yes, God, we're, we're here for you. We're going to worship you. We're going to stand for you. And then something else. They had a history of doing that. And Joshua knew that. And so he just lays it out. And he says, look, if, if you do not follow through on your commitment, then you will face the wrath of God. If you are not obedient to what you're saying that you're going to do, then God will punish you for that. And here's what's interesting. At no point did Joshua say, hey, like, I, I don't want to make this hard. I don't want to make this hard on you, so let's just make this easy. If you want to worship God and the gods of Egypt, you're free to do that. He never said that. He never said, hey, if you want to worship the gods of culture and worship God, you're free to do that. No, he says, make a decision. Choose. It can't be both. What did Jesus say last week in the scripture we looked at? No one can serve two masters. You're either going to love one or hate the other. You're going to be committed to one or not committed to the other. What Jesus is saying is, I want all of you. I want all of their heart. And he expressed this in a covenant that he made with them at Mount Sinai. And what Joshua was doing now is in many ways holding a vow renewal service. And he's saying, like, we're all witnesses of one another. We're all committing to this. And for Joshua, it was real. Joshua wasn't saying, like, I'm committed to the Lord today. No, he's saying, like, as for me and my house, forever and ever and ever, I will worship the Lord. I will be faithful to the Lord. I will be committed to the Lord. The challenge is this is a choice that you have to make. It's a decision that you have to make. Joshua couldn't make it for them, and I can't make it for you, and and you can't make it for your children, but rather, individually, we have to decide who's going to take the seat on the throne of our hearts. And some people are like, I want to stay neutral on this. And you can't. Scripture tells us in Revelation that those that are lukewarm, the Lord spits out of his mouth. And so many people want to take this neutral position on who the Lord is to them and who they will hold their worship for. But the reality is, is if we choose to worship the, the gods of our ancestors or the gods of culture, we're ultimately in that decision are communicating who we're worshiping. We're worshiping those things and, and ultimately turning our back on God. Some of us want to worship the gifts that God gives us, the ones that we've talked about through this series. What we're doing is we're ultimately saying that we're worshiping the gifts and not the giver. That's what, that's what Joshua is saying. It's what he's pointing to. Life is full of a bunch of choices. And every choice that we make points to the posture of our hearts towards God and what we believe about him. And here's the interesting thing. This isn't just a decision that we make once. It's a decision that we make daily. And before you run off on a different road of like, what do you believe theologically about salvation? I believe once saved, always saved. I believe in the perseverance of the saints. But what I do believe is that every single day, we must die to self and live for Christ. I need that reminder. You need that reminder. We need that reminder because we are flawed individuals, sinful human beings who have a tendency to worship what we want to worship. See, salvation happens in a moment. 
but sanctification happens over our lifetime. And we don't like big words in church sometimes. I said the first service I heard a long time ago, so I'm just repeating. If you know what mayonnaise is, mayonnaise is a big word. You figured out what that means. Sanctification, like you can handle that one also. All right? It just means set apart. Different. That's what God wanted his people to be. Set apart. Different. Not to blend in. To be, to be different from the rest of the world. And so when he put them in the promised land, his goal was never that they would participate in the worship of the idols the Amorites, but rather that they would hold themselves as different and that the Amorites would look at them and go, there's something different about you. There's something different about these people. But Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. He said to them all, he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Excuse me, Jesus says when we deny ourselves. Other translations say die to ourselves. You know what the root of idolatry is? Me. That's what idolatry is. It's me-centered worship. What do I want to put on the throne of my heart? What makes me feel good? What makes me have hope? What makes me feel fuzzy inside? That's what idolatry is. And so if we really want to to, to kill idols, it begins with dying to ourselves every single day. That's how we keep ourselves for the Lord. That's how we keep ourselves committed to God. That's how we stay focused on what God has called us to. This doesn't mean that we get saved every single day. What this means is that we just have reminders built in, that we're in God's word, reminding of ourselves of all that God's done. So that when we ask ourselves, why do I worship the Lord? We don't have a pros and cons list. We just have a pros list, right? We're like the Israelites. We're like this, 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 and this. This is what God has done. This is how God has been faithful to me. I think idolatry usually begins really small. We justify one thing, and before we know it, like we've allowed justification to take place with this sin or this God or this idol in our lives and and what happens is it begins to build and we begin to find ourselves bowing down and worshiping it some of you walked into the room over the last few months or the last month as we've been talking about killing idols and if we're honest man we've just allowed some things to fester to grow We've allowed sin to be in our lives. We've allowed allowed ourselves to worship these created things. And God's saying, kill them for the sake of your love for me. Get rid of them because you love me. Hold your worship only for me. I've done a handful of weddings and each wedding ceremony, there's a, a vow portion of it and there's a ring portion of it and the vows are our commitments to one another in this covenant that we're making with one another in the Lord and, and, and the rings are kind of what seal that, that vow in many ways it's, what, it's the evidence, it's the outward symbol right and, and I get it, not everybody wears their ring right? Like that's a thing nowadays, some folks don't wear it based off career or whatever but this, this ring for me is a reminder of my commitment that I made to my wife 
And it's not the only reminder that I have, right? Like every morning when I wake up, like she's not in this service, so I can say this. There's trails of stuff around my house that reminds me of the, of the, of the woman that I married, of that commitment that I made. I have two kids that we started a bad, we have a bad habit in our house. We let them fall asleep in our bed and then we have to move them and then we fight over who's gonna move them that night. Anybody else do that? It happens in our house every night. And, but they're reminders. They're reminders. Church, we take, we take gifts from God and we make them into something that they were never created to be. They were never created to be gods. They were never given to us that we would worship them. They were given to us as reminders. You know what happens at the end of the speech? Joshua takes a stone and he sets it up as this monument. And he's like, this is gonna be our reminder. This is gonna be our reminder of what we committed to on this day. And what's gonna happen is generation after generation is gonna be reminded of this commitment. You know what's unfortunate? Is that this group of people would face the wrath of God and they would be exited out of the promised land be taken out of the promised land because they would not stay faithful to their commitment. I thank God for grace. I thank God for the fact that he is a holy and a jealous God, but he allows us to be able to come to him and say, Lord, I have failed you. I've, I've, I've sinned against you. I have worshiped something that is not of you. Lord, forgive me of that. And so I want you to understand this morning, whether that's a, an addiction to pornography or to sex, or that's, a, that's a, a food addiction or an entertainment addiction, or maybe your children or your spouse are in an unhealthy position in your life that you worship. Maybe it's money or greed or it's power that you've pursued. Hear me this morning. There is grace for you. There's forgiveness for you. But God, don't play. Commit to him. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be faithful to that commitment. This morning as the band comes, I want want to challenge you. Some of you have been to vow renewal ceremonies. And all those are is really just person saying, I still love you and you still love me. That's what it means. So this morning, I, I, wanna, I want you to take a moment. Just tell God, man, I still love you. And I want you on that throne. I want you to take that seat. I want you to have that place. And I want to hold my worship for you and for you alone. And I want to kill whatever else in my life that I've allowed to take that seat that belongs to you. Thank you for listening to the message this week. If you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus or about Family Church, please go check out our website at familychurchsumter.com. We hope you will see you this Sunday.